Good morning. I'm glad that you can join us today. My name is Amelia, and I'm uh, the River Kids Director or Children's Program Director here at the River. Welcome. So, <laughs> thank you. I have shared many times here that I was born in Indonesia. Uh, I grew up in Jakarta with my parents and my three younger siblings. When I was 15, I moved to Singapore and then the United Kingdom, and in 2005, I came here to New York. Now, for a long time, I always referred Indonesia as my home. So when vacation time comes, I always say, I'm going to go home and be with my family. However, I recently realized that I have not used that language in quite a while. I can't remember when it started, but I just know that at some point, I must have embraced my present situation, New York, as my home. Sometime, somehow, things just feel right. Does this make sense? Can you accept that a home is not about a location, it's not about a roof and wall or any kind of physical characteristic, although this may help, Home is about a deep sense of belonging. Despite being imperfect or even ugly, things just feel like they are in its place. Is this something you can relate to? Now, what about you? How do you identify yourself? What are the things you say and include when you describe you? A young child would probably start with their name. And then they go on and say, and I have a blankie, and this is my mom, and this is my dog. The things that are their closest possession, their treasure, become their identification. Now we're talking about older children. They probably will say, I run really fast. I play soccer. I love science and Minecraft. This is my school, and these are my best friends. So the things that they like to do, the people that they hang out with the most, become parts of who they are. Now, what about adults? What about us? What do we say uh, about us? Do I say, I am a mother? I am a husband? Or I say, I graduated from this school, this is my credential, I work here. This is my title. I've been working on this for many, many years or that. When it comes to adults, often our work, our accomplishments, the things that we have worked on for many years or built upon become parts of who we are. It can be in career, business, academic, even having been married or having children. Now, you probably have heard this before, but ego is commonly understood as uh, unhealthy belief in our own importance, a sense of superiority that exceeds the bounds of confidence and talent. But for our purpose now, I invite you to suspend that definition for a little bit and consider another way of understanding ego. 
Eckhart Tolle, a renowned teacher and author of the best-selling books, The Power of Now and A New Earth, defines ego as images, thoughts, forms that we identify as parts of our identity or our sense of self. Ego is the one that continuously seeking for new and better things to attach itself to. It always looks to the future. And this is not a bad thing. Ego is part of our evolutionary development. It helps us build the world that we live in. Infrastructure, technology, various knowledge and systems wanting to do better, wanting to be better, wanting to have better things than before, then others, especially, push us to success. However, if we continue to identify ourselves with these things, with images, ideas, and things, if we do not grow out of them or go beyond them, they become become very serious problems. One of the most common things that we attach ourselves to is possessions or things. We confuse having with being. So the more I have, the more I am. And this could lead to materialism, living beyond our means, even suffering or depression. We also confuse knowledge or thoughts with our sense of self. We have strong opinions and we attach our sense of self with them. So when someone questions them, we become defensive, even aggressive and violent. Think about conflicts in family, at the office or even at church, religions, well, a lot of people killed each other because of differing beliefs. And think about how divisive this country has been because we have different opinions about COVID policies, vaccination, and mass mandates. I would probably also agree if someone says that many of the disaster and sufferings that we experience in our world today, from global warming, Famine and wars is because of ego, because of our attachment to images, thoughts, and knowledge. You may also remember that in the book of Genesis, the fall of humankind begins with the fruit of knowledge. Now, even something as ridiculous as pain can become a point of pride or sense of self. I have two children, and they are at the age where they always compare with each other a lot. If one of them complain, I can't walk anymore, my feet hurt. The other one would say, don't be a baby, my feet hurt since this morning. <laughs> and then at times, I would also join in and say, well, did you guys know that my back has been in pain for weeks? I notice that our thoughts 
always convince us that we are right, no matter what the reality is. But if we can take some distance from them, we may be able to observe how exaggerated some of our thoughts are, even at times amusing and laughable. Talking about siblings and rivalry, I want to invite you to read this story together from the book of Luke, the parable of the prodigal son. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out, of, uh, out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pots that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Traditionally, this story is presented as a story of repentance 
and redemption. There's an emphasis on the younger son, how he went wayward and, and sinned. But God will always accept us, no matter what we've done or how bad we think we are. And yes, God always has a room for us. But I'm not convinced about the title of this parable because I see this as a story of two sons who are both lost and alienated. Is it possible that Jesus was trying to say that whatever you think it is, the way to be totally full and content in life, to be truly at home with ourselves and God, is misguided. Some people may need to make the journey, pushing boundaries like the younger son, pursuing life in as many ways possible in order to realize that having more pleasures and treasures does not make us more alive or content. Some may identify themselves with the older son, with uh, their abilities to do the right things. Stay within boundaries, such as being good, responsible, productive, charitable, even kind. Yes, all of these are images too. They are ideas that uh, we identify ourselves with. I, for example, relate with the older son. I like to believe that I am a capable and dependable person. So I tend to commit to many things and have a hard time saying no. <laughs> However, I realize that just because I have the skill or ability to do something doesn't mean that I have to do it. I should do it. Because when I become overwhelmed or tired, I would feel disconnected and easily triggered. The true test if your ego has a lot of power on you is when people dismiss you. Right? The older son felt dismissed. Do you even know what I've done for you? I'm clearly a much better son, yet you barely notice me. There was an article about an Asian man who was mistaken by his neighbor as a food delivery person. And this man was angry, and rightfully so. We have to be careful with stereotypes and assumption. But this is what he said. Do you know who I am? I'm a lawyer. I graduated from such and such university. This man was hurt, but the part of identity that was triggered was not the fact that his neighbor did not recognize him as a fellow resident in his building for many years, but a part of him that felt diminished was his social status, someone who's intellectual, someone with accomplishments, importance, not some simple labor. I notice 
that the identities that trigger us the most are the ones that we attach ourselves the most. And also the ones that we use to judge others. So if we identify ourselves as being a smart person, we will judge others by their credentials. If we pride ourselves as being generous, sadly, we may judge others by their ability to give. The ego always wants to compare, even with humility. One may think in their head, I am a very humble person, definitely more humble than these people over here. Do you notice also how the older son referred to his brother as this son of yours? When we put too much power into our images and identities, we end up distancing ourselves from each other because ego requires distance to accentuate that I'm up here and you're down there. Despite being in the right place, the older son felt alienated. He could not bring himself to join the group. He could not join in the fun and the celebration. He's missing out in so many ways, big time. Just like a home is not about the walls and the roof, being fully at home with ourselves also has nothing to do with what we do, what we have, and where we are. Being at home is being in depth in our being with no attachment to forms or images or mass as Charles often refers to in his sermons, and in our formless existence, we are one with the source, with God. This story actually already, already reveals what we really need to know about who we are and who we are as always with God. And I believe this. I think we can never really be apart from our source because then we will not exist. A vine exists because of the branch. But we may come in and out of this awareness, even daily. When we are outside, we feel lost and disconnected or distant and defensive just like the younger son or the older son. But when we are in the space of awareness, we feel at home. And we start noticing the ego. We may even laugh at it. The images and the mass begin to dissolve and no longer have its grip on you. You are able to enjoy the present moment. You may not have achieved 
all your goals in life, you may have even failed, you may have lost all your treasures or even your loved ones, you may never have all the things that you associate with as having arrived in life. But you can still enjoy life in the moment. You can taste the fullness of life because you are rooted in a deeper level. So, how do we become less attached to our images, mass, and thoughts? Well, being aware of them is one important practice. So today, I would like to leave you with some wondering questions. Oftentimes, questions are sufficient. If we question ourselves enough, we will create moments of awareness. So, I wonder how you identify yourself. What are the things you say and include when you describe you? I wonder how you react when you're being dismissed or diminished. I wonder if you are able to observe your ego, maybe even laugh at it. I wonder what could help you to celebrate life as it is right now, today, in the present. Thank you for listening. Let us close in prayers. God, thank you for this story. Thank you for letting us go and have our ways, for inviting and embracing us whenever we are ready. Teach us to be more aware of our attachments. Help us see each other the way you see them and remind us daily of who we are. And who we are is with you.